everybody. Welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 157. Aaron, uh, just when you think that we're, uh, we're we're good for the tank, the Sharks go out and they get, pick up some points this week. What are they thinking, buddy? Every time I'm asking for a win, they get a loss. When I ask for a loss, they get a win. No one's listening to me. What's going on? I know. Well, good thing is they've already played the most games in the NHL, so their win percentage isn't that much better. But, uh, yeah, they keep winning a couple of these games that I don't think anyone really thought we were going to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, the Rangers uh, is, well, let's go back, I guess. The Islanders, the first game, I was going to jump to the Rangers because that's the game I'm kind of happy, upset, whatever about. Oh, Peter yeah. St. John, by the way, saying evening all. Yes, uh, good evening, Peter St. John. Uh, thank you for stopping in. Appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, um, yeah so the Islanders, uh, it's a, a 5-2 loss. Uh, now that <laughs> we talked about the second period woes of the Sharks uh, in the last episode there, and it kind of continued uh, throughout this game as well. So um, the note here is that the Sharks are now, uh, as of this game, had been outscored 12 to one in the second period. Um, is there a specific reason? I know we kind of talked about this before, but is there a specific reason that you believe that it's that second period that that's causing them so much pain? I mean, I feel like every season there's one period that just eludes them. This year happens to be the second. I think last year was the third period, right? Or I think the, first the first period. Remember, because they, they uh, Jones kept letting. I mean, years past, Jones kept letting if, uh, the goal in the first period. Remember that? that was two seasons ago, where yeah, like, yeah, they, yeah. I don't think they held a lead or anything for a long time. They were always playing from behind. So yeah, there just always seems to be a period that they just don't like. So. This year, the second, I mean, the second period always makes sense because you have the long change. And if you get caught, you're you're going to be in no man's land and, and exhausted on that shift. So, in fact, that's how the, the Sharks scored today against Philadelphia. Um, they, they I love when they do this, when it's a long shift in the second period and they show, or a long shift, I guess, in any period. They show the ice time of the defense that's out there or the defensive line team that's out there. And Philly was at like a minute and a half, I think, on the ice which is about double the length of a normal shift. So those guys were, were totally gassed in the Sharks where we'll get that later. But um, mm-hmm. that's like usually the problem is you get caught on the long change. And by the long change, um, in second period, they switch sides, but the benches stay where they are. So you, your bench is further away. So if you're caught in the defensive zone, you can't do a quick line change because your guys are so far away. So that's what we what we say, just to explain that real quick. So the yeah. Sharks were actually, um, they had the, the one nothing lead in this game, uh, blew that. And uh, you also say here that they haven't scored more than two goals in those first five games. So the offense is just not coming. Uh, and we see Coach Quinn making some changes as the week goes on here. Uh, maybe a little too uh, a little too late because, um, you know, again, the Islanders take that win 5-2. Uh, moving on from the Islanders game, this is where they played against the Rangers um Quinn of course uh, was coach for the Rangers uh last season so kind of a return for him he didn't get the reception that I think uh most most fans would have liked to him uh to, to get I guess more San Jose fans I think there's there's a um a classiness to it when you have an old coach that comes back and you kind of cheer him and I don't think he got that reception from the Rangers fans now no. again it is New York so right. uh, what do you expect? Uh, maybe maybe a little bit more from than you would from uh, Philadelphia or something like that, right? If it was that coach. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, what did you think about that? Was that kind of like a classless thing? Well, think about it. He, he coached for, I think, three seasons and then got the can. So they I don't think they made playoffs during those three seasons because they were they were in a rebuild mode, up and coming rebuild. But um, 
would you expect a video montage for Bob Bugner when he comes back into town? Yes. That's kind of a comparison. You think so? I think so. The you Sharks never made the playoffs with him. You know why? Because we're classy. Because we're classy. Yeah. I, we're classy and, and, and we're handsome and we're humble. <laughs> I could go either way on it, but I, I, I would tend to go on the classier side of things rather than the less so. So right. yeah, I guess it was a little slight towards uh towards Quinn. I I don't think that's it's not what I would have done. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, I think even even uh, I like that you drew the parallel to to Bob Bugner. I think you know you still give him that little bit of a tribute. You know that at least say hey, thank you for all your years. Uh, you know, uh, helping us out that kind of thing, coaching for the Sharks. And I think the fan reaction is not going to be you know to to give it to Bob Bugner. I think they they they'd be like hey thank you for that clap and cheer and yay. Right. Uh, no matter what you thought about the guy, I think you'd at least um extend him that courtesy and I guess that's just not the case uh in New York. But hey, you know, we we weren't in New York for those three seasons that uh, coach Quinn was there, so maybe there was some other bitterness that was uh that was going on, so who knows. Um now you've got a note here uh saying is this the turning point? For the Sharks, the New York Rangers win the three-two overtime win. Even when we win, we give the other team points, Aaron. So, uh, you, you, do you think that this is a turning point for them? I mean, obviously, we know how the rest of the week went, and after this game, it went okay. So, um, do you think that they're turning it around? I think so. I mean, we're still waiting for Timo Meyer to score, and he's was our leading scorer last year for the Sharks. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think it was a turning point in the sense that they played a complete game. Now, I don't know if you saw the third period of that game, but they completely, maybe not completely, but they shut out the Rangers. I don't think they had a shot on goal for uh, three quarters of the third period, which is nuts when you think about it, it's the Rangers who are stacked and probably a cup favorite, not just a contender, but a cup favorite to come out of the East. So um, that was an absolute huge morale boosting win, I think, especially since they tied it, right? They tied it late. Uh, Shimmick scored in the second period, the end of the second period, yeah. which was his first goal in almost a year. I think he scored in December of last year was his last goal in the NHL. Funny um, how that works. You play the guy he produces. Right. Right. Just saying. Anyway. I, I He's getting some better ice time. He's playing well. Yet another guy that could be showcased here, but anyway, um, I think um, I think it was a turning point in the fact, and and they said so. I wish I got the clips of this, but after the game, they were saying kind of like it was a turning point because they've been playing kind of their system and playing the right way and playing their way out of this zero and at the time zero and five slump, um, and it worked against a very good team, and they frustrated that team. You could tell the Rangers were very frustrated. So I think it was a, a turning point mentally for the team because, you know, you lose five games in a row to start off a season that's not going to do good for your psyche. Um, and this game, I'll talk about it real quickly. Kevin LeBanc, who was scratched? Was, or, um, LeBanc was scratched and Gregor was scratched, right? Noah Gregor was scratched. Um, and going into the next game real quick, uh, yeah. LeBanc comes in and plays against the Devils and scores a goal after getting benched. Uh, not even benched, scratched. Scratch is a different, completely different. Right. But anyway, going back to the Rangers game, let's look at, we have a tweet here about Quinn's first win. This is kind of cool. Kind of like a little trivia thing here. Um, Quinn, his first win as a coach, I don't know if 
producer Jason is going to put this up here. I'm just going to keep talking. But his first win as the Rangers coach was against the Sharks at Madison Square Garden, and it was a 3-2 to two overtime win. His first win as the Sharks was against the Rangers at Madison Square Garden, a 3-2 to two overtime win. Is that weird? That's, that's, that's weird, Twilight right? Zone. That, that means we're winning a cup, right? <laughs> is, that, is that what it means this year? We're winning a cup? Well, no, that means uh, – so did David Quinn's uh, Rangers win a cup? No, I'm just saying. Okay, then. (laughs) We're not going anywhere, buddy. We're not going anywhere. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Yeah. Um, Peter St. John, the Rangers game helped to show the boys a way that they can win and identify. I agree. So I think that's what you're talking about more, a turning point in terms of uh, that identity, right? And and the things that we need to do to get back to playing good, strong, entertaining, at least, uh, hockey. And it, it resulted in a win. You're not saying a turning point. Uh, from the perspective of, oh my gosh, we're going to turn to a playoff team now, right? No, absolutely okay. not. That's not what I'm saying. More, of, it's it's a mental hurdle. I mean, getting over that first hump of getting a win, and and again, this was in overtime too. It wasn't even in regulation, but to be able to hang with the New York Rangers and like imagine like beating the Colorado Avalanche in a game like this, right? Like it's huge. It's yeah. a big. It's a big. Moral victory, I guess, if you will, on a season that's probably not going to go too well. Yeah, you know, it's funny. People always say, you know, oh, I can't believe that this team beat that team. And it's like, well, no matter where they are in the standings, man, it's, there's so much parity in the NHL. Um, any team can beat any other team on any given night. So, um, you know, whether or not this is kind of a resurgence for the Sharks, uh, which I don't think it will be. I think it's just, you know, kind of like that confidence boost that Aaron's talking about. Um you know, just good, at least good to see the boys getting something. I know we all want them to tank. I know we all want them to get the number <laughs> one pick. But come on, 0 and 82 would be just too bad, guys. And it's a long season. Let them get a win here and there already, okay? Um, Aaron, you alluded to uh, LeBanc's goal against the New Jersey Devils. Unfortunately, the, again, the only goal that was scored in that game. Um, uh, a 2-1 loss. What's I wouldn't say unfortunately because I want them to lose, so. <laughs> but you want it to be entertaining so like a, no, you know, a, exactly. a five three loss <laughs> yeah yeah seriously what is the show about now my goodness anyway uh <laughs> so uh a two one loss against new jersey devils but aaron tonight they play against the philadelphia flyers in philadelphia and james reimer absolutely stands on his head now this is a guy who i'm tired of hearing people saying you know what he'd be good for another team to pick up uh, so they can play him as the as their backup for insurance I think this is a, a player that a team that is playoff bound, if only they had a number one goalie, this is their guy. So I don't, I don't want to hear any more talk about he's a great backup. He's a great one uh, B. This guy's a stud and he stands on his head and he deserves more respect. Um, Sure. Yes. But I think he should be traded to a team that, that is going to need him. Maybe Toronto where he's already played for in the past and they're very familiar with him. Um, I think, uh, again, we've talked about this ad nauseum about how he would be a one a or one B situation on a team that maybe has a very young goalie or someone is not ready yet. Um, Toronto's in the perfect situation and I feel like they're going to be desperate because they cannot tank. They have too much of a good team. They have one of the best players in the league in Austin Matthews. Um, they have too good of a team to tank and too big of a fan base to, Tank. Now, playoffs is a whole different story because I love watching them lose in the playoffs. I think it's fantastic <laughs> that that streak is just staying alive like the BG. So I love it and I want to see more of it. But leading up to that, um, 
they need to make the playoffs and to do that, they're going to need a better goaltender. And I think Reimer should be a perfect fit for them. Peter St. John saying new teams have to learn to win together. And uh, we have so many new faces. We are a new team more or less. I wouldn't even say more or less, buddy. You are absolutely spot on about that. Uh, And Kellen actually agreeing (laughs) with Peter St. John saying that's a great point. And uh, Peter St. John following up. Can I tell my dad, Kellen, that you said I had a great point? (laughs) I guess maybe they disagree more often than I I know in the chat. But uh, no, that, that really is. It is a great point that. Uh, these new teams, they do have to learn to win together. And there are a lot of new faces on this in this team. Um, not just the players and the personnel, because that has changed quite a bit. But also, you know, like we said, the the coaching, the uh, the staff, the GM, uh, down to the video guy. I mean, e- everything has changed. All the things have changed. All the the, the cogs in the wheel are different. So um, that's an, an excellent point that even if all this made a lot of sense that the players that they had, if it seemed like just the names that we have on paper should be winning, they're all new. It's going to take them time to kind of gel and come together. So, um, you know, Aaron, uh, we, we talked about potential turning points with some of these faces. I could definitely see if they started to gel better, things getting a lot better down the road here. But again, I feel like by the time the trade deadline hits, uh, it's, they're going to end up selling anyway, and that's all going to fall apart again, uh, regardless. So, I think thank you biggest, for that. Yeah, the biggest question I think this season is going to be if they re-sign Timo Meyer. That's going to be huge. Right. If if they don't re-sign Timo and they trade him and get a ton of assets, picks, whatever, this rebuild, if you will, retool, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, is going to take longer. If they re-sign him, yes, it will kind of limit them in um, cap space. But we do have some news on the cap space that could possibly be changing uh, as early as next season. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but um, you want to you want to wait for that later? or You want to do it now? Uh, OK, we'll wait later. I don't care. I'm not asking yeah. you. No, that's fine. We'll, we'll keep talking okay. about I was going to keep talking about Timo Meyer because he is goalish still. And in fact, he is leading the league with the most shots on goal without a goal. So he's this season's Noah Gregor. I guess so. He has 34 shots on goal without a goal. Uh, the That's next one, shots. 34 shots in eight. Wow. Games. Roman Josie has 31 shots without a goal. That's coming from the defense. I think I feel like he's less expected. Yeah. He's going to have less goals because his shots are usually from further out. So um, not all of them, but majority of them would be. So anyway, um, I feel like the flood banks are going to, just crash open here and Timo Meyer is still going to be a 30 goal scorer this, this season. So they're going to be coming in bunches. If you like, are you worried I mean, about Timo? Am I worried about Timo? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not so much worried about Timo so much as I am worried about uh, what's going to end up happening with Timo. Right. I, I'm, I'm more concerned with uh, if we try shipping him off um, for instance, what the return would be. I'm more interested in, uh, do they want to keep him though? Do they, you know what I mean? I know there's that whole $10 million, um, what's it called? Qualifying offered issue. Um, but I mean, that that's more where I am. I'm, I'm a little bit less concerned with how many goals he gets this season, because for me this season, it doesn't really matter how many goals any of these guys score um, other than to, to raise their trade value. Uh, to me, the season's kind of, we, we feel like it's already going to be a loss anyway. So what does it matter who, who scores what, right? That's kind of how I see it. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not super concerned. I don't know. Do you, do you feel a different way? 
I'm not worried about him, but I'm sure his agent is kicking himself, going, "Why can't you score? Your your value is going down, down, down instead of going up." Because last season was such a good season for him. Right. Um, I was kind of joking about that, but what kind of re- if they were to trade him, what kind of return would make you happy to trade him? I mean, it's the potential that you're trading for, right? So he's still really young, and you can you know he's one of those guys going to put the puck in the net often especially on a team that that can support him, right? Uh, a team that's got, you know, good players around him and and especially good defense that can push the puck up to him, right? Now, we've got that in Eric Carlson, but um, for whatever reason, one way or another, maybe it is or is not happening. I mean, he's getting the puck. He's getting shots, right? He's generating offense. And I think even if he's not burying it, I think teams know that he can. So the return on him is really looking at his potential. And I think it, the standard – First, uh, in a in a prospect um, and an NHL ready player, I think that it, that would be for for a guy like Timo Meyer. I don't think that's asking too much. Now, that that's at least where I would start as a GM. And if they want to start talking me down, fine. But you always ask for a little bit more than what you actually think you're going to get. Um, maybe that's maybe that's too much. I don't know. But um, that's kind of where I would at least start and let them talk me down from there. Do you think that that is reasonable? Do you think that that's uh, way over the top? What do you think? No, I mean, I would be asking for the moon because this guy's in his prime, uh, a prime power forward and power forwards take a little bit longer to kind of come to fruition. And he is definitely primed and ready and will be good for another while. Plus, he's an RFA. So they kind of have more control on a contract. So it's going to cost even more than if he was a UFA. Because um, that would, for those that aren't in the know, that means when let's say you can't sign let's say we trade Timo Meyer and the new team can't sign him right away they still own the rights to him and would still be able to only negotiate with him he wouldn't be able to negotiate with anyone else unless they did an offer sheet and the offer sheet would be what over a certain amount of dollar amount it's multiple first round picks like nobody would really do it so what I would want is I would ask for a minimum bare minimum obviously is a first round pick maybe two first round picks one this year and one next year um and probably a second or third like probably three draft picks i would be happy with high draft picks and a prospect that would make me go okay that that would you're going to be adding multiple very good nhl players on your team possibly um combine it with if let's say the sharks don't get the number one overall, let's say they start playing a little bit better and end up with like a top 10 pick. Maybe you could trade two of those draft picks to two first rounders, you know, to get a top five guy or something. If they target somebody Um, just kind of gives them a little bit more leeway and and stuff to do. But I personally, I like Timo and I would like him to stay. Um, I think he's an elite winger and the sharks don't have, many at all if any <laughs> elite players um hurdle to me i wouldn't say he's elite i would say he's he's up there he's top but he's not elite um coacher obviously is not elite anymore i think he's an elite two-way forward but not a leading scorer um so i think i think timo even at he's 26 years old signing him to And I hate these eight-year deals. I wouldn't want him signed to an eight-year deal. I would say five or six years. That that would make me feel okay about it, especially power forwards. I mean, look at Gabriel Landeskog in in Colorado. Constantly hurt. He can't be in the lineup because he's the way he plays, his body's just wearing down. I feel like that's going to be Timo in four years, five years from now when he's 
just over 30. So I don't want, I don't want too much term, I guess, if you will. I think maybe we should make that um, the roll call question today. Uh, what do you think? First of all, uh, thank you for watching this, by the way. Um, and, and where are you watching us from? And uh, what do you think would be an acceptable return um, and a realistic return, of course, <laughs> for uh, for Timo Meyer? OK, so let us know what you think that might be. Uh, I think Aaron's wow. Two firsts, a second and a prospect. Is that what you're saying? How many elite power forwards in their prime no, are there I, in the market? I, I hear you, but that, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for two firsts, a second, and a prospect. The price is high, man. Wow. I want okay. if they're gonna rebuild and they're gonna get rid of him, that's that would make me feel happy if he were to be traded. Okay. There you go. Uh love to hear what you guys have to say about that. By the way, uh it would go from the guys with no goals. To the guys uh, with some goals, Eric Carlson, uh, at least in this Philadelphia game here, uh, scores his third goal uh, of the season. He's actually tearing it up right now. He's doing really, really well. Leads the team with six points across these eight games. Uh, and then uh, Sturm, another guy. I love Sturm. I absolutely love this guy. Um, hard worker. You you saw the interview, the post game interview, where he just kind of laid it all out there and you know said, "Hey, this just isn't acceptable. You know, uh, we don't need." Uh, you know, somebody to hold our hands. We we play in the NHL. If we need somebody to hold our hand through this, we're like, what are we doing, right? So um, I, I love the guy's attitude. I love his work ethic. I love mm-hmm. his skill. And the guy is he he's getting rewarded uh, with some goals. And if we're not going to be a very good team, then I hope he gets rewarded with a trade. So um, it, I mean, talk to me a little bit about either of these two guys. I know Carlson's kind of been the guy that's the whipping boy for the last couple seasons. Uh, looks like he's turning it on right now. Uh, again, it's it's a matter of can he stay healthy, but you can see it right here: six points in eight games. As long as he uh, makes it past, you know, eight games, <laughs> I think I think it's promising, is it not? I, I think it is, and I think um, going back to the Burns trade, I think this is now his team on on the blue line. So I think he's finally kind of you know stepping into that role and and what his role was. He's not quite where he was in Ottawa. Ottawa, he was practically the only guy there. Um, and he was healthier and younger, but I think um, manning the blue line, especially on the power play, is his bread and butter, and he's very happy to do it. And he's taking full advantage. So this is the Eric Carlson that I was hoping to see. I mean, he's on pace for what sixty something points. So um, as long as he can stay healthy, and hopefully he could play. What did we say the over under was? Seventy games earlier i think i think we said 70 something maybe it was 70 68 someone there and like i i'm probably gonna regret saying that because he's probably not gonna make it but i'm taking the over baby i'm optimistic he's gonna be over i think he'll be over recklessly blindly optimistic aaron (laughs) yeah i think i think he's gonna be on the over but um uh yeah i'm i'm happy to see it and this is kind of I mean, I, you don't play fantasy, but a lot of people in, in fantasy hockey, not just Sharks related, but all over, picked Eric Carlson to have a big bounce back season since he now is the guy in San Jose yeah. and manning the power play. And they were expecting over 60 points for him as long as he stays healthy. So I think he's I think it's going to happen. I think he's on pace for it. Um, going back to Sturm, Sturm is signed for three years. And when they first signed him for $2 million, I was kind of like, wow, really? For a guy who's going to be on the fourth line? But think about... I think we talked about this last week, or maybe we talked about this in person, but the Sharks this season, I think are going for the high draft pick. I think they're going to add that blue chip prospect 
a guy that's going to be able to play instantly in the NHL next season. So he's going to get drafted and join the team. Now you're going to have Bortolo, Eklund, this new guy. Let's say that's your second line. Your first line could be Couture, Hurdle, and Meyer. Or a combination, you know? You got your top six. Now you look at the bottom six. This is where your depth is. Your fourth line is pretty set. We have, I keep wanting to call him Marco Sturm. Nico Sturm yeah. at center, <laughs> right? Um, Lorenz is starting to look pretty decent. That fourth line is solid. In fact, they were playing up as the third line a couple games ago yeah. because they were playing so good. So the key to to deep teams is having that third and fourth lines that can chip in and, and score some goals and play some heavy minutes. And they seem to have that now. So there's some stability there. Those guys are signed for a couple years. So obviously this season to me is not, they're not going anywhere. And I think that's the plan. I think since they kept Bortolo and Eklund at the Barracuda, they're protecting them. They want them to succeed at that level, carry that momentum into next season with the chemistry. Boom. We're going to be much better next season. Yeah, I forgot he was a three-year term, and I like that, actually, because if Sturm is the type of player that uh, you know David Quinn likes and that uh, GM Mike Greer wants, uh, you know, give him, give him that term. Give him the amount of time, right? Because if these other contracts are expiring or falling off or we're going to be trading other guys, we want some level of stability there. And if this is one of the guys that they like the way he plays, they don't have to go out and find another guy that can do that, right? And you've, like you said, you got guys from the system that – uh, can be coming up and taking those uh, top line minutes when when they are ready to go. So and hopefully that's sooner than later. Maybe next year or the year after is a little bit accelerated, but um, at least you'd still have kind of that little bit of a foundation, a little bit of a rock still there with some of these guys that they signed uh, to a little bit uh, longer term. So um, yeah, I mean <laughs> it, it, it's it's tough because um, you you see where the team's going. You want to make sure that they're getting that return at the same time. Uh, you you kind of want to see them do well. And this is one of those guys that can really help him get there. Uh, you just hope that the team gets turned around before his contract is up. Right. So, um, but we'll see, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where this goes, but I'm happy to see that it's not all coming from hurdle Meyer, you know, Couture. it's not just those, uh, a handful of guys that are scoring. We're getting some, some scoring from the blue line uh, through Carlson and we're getting some scoring uh, down in the depths. Uh, I shouldn't say down in the depths, but you know, the, the <laughs> outside of the top six, let's put it that yeah. way. Uh, so I mean, even even next year, that third line we have, we still have Barabanov, Kunin, Lindblom. Those guys are those guys yeah. can play, especially on the third line. Um, Interesting, by the way, Barabanov coming back into the fold, uh, back on the top line immediately. So um, and that that pushes Lindblom, but that just gives you kind of more scoring depth. And uh, frankly, he's a big, heavy player, so um, he's one of those guys that can really help out in that depth role as well. Uh, to provide not just the scoring, but that physicality and everything as well. So go ahead. Yeah. Um, just the depth is is being built and the foundation is getting there. That's that's what I'm excited for is next. Obviously, it's next season, not this season. Next season. The building blocks are in place. If you uh, Peter St. John seems to agree. He says, we lack top six forwards, but we are stacked with bottom six. I think given that uh, all that bottom six talent, we will be very solid. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's along the same lines as, as what we're saying. Thank you, Peter St. John, for... For your comment there. Um, let's see. Uh, goalies. Yeah, you you want to talk about goalies here. Um, now, again, I kind of already expressed my <laughs> sentiment for uh, for James Reimer. Um, the stats on this guy, two wins, three losses so far on the season. A .933 save percentage and a 2.11 uh, 
I'm sorry, 2.22 goals against average and a shutout in the season so far. So uh, the, the man is real. Uh, he's, he's, I mean, honestly, again, for me, if he's a goaltender on any other team, that's not kind of in the position that the Sharks are in right now, uh, his, his stats are much better. I've always said this goalie stats are more reflective of the entire team, not just the goalie. Um, and maybe I'll eat my words as we talk about Kakanen's stats here. But um, I mean, honestly, like if, if you're, you're telling me that this guy who is two and three is playing for a much better team like a Colorado, you're telling me that hit those stats, even at nine point or point nine three three and a two point two two goals against average, you're telling me that those stats don't go up. I don't believe it at all. Right. All right. I, I think um, I mean, he's playing to go on a on a better team. Obviously, he, he needs to show up. But. I feel like last season was a show me season to the league. Show me that you can play in a more of a starting role than you ever have. I think last year you set um, a personal record for the most starts. Now it's like this year is okay. Show that last year wasn't a fluke. And right now it is not. So I think there's, especially tonight after he had the shutout tonight, Um, granted it was against Philadelphia who Philadelphia has been a surprise team. Um, in the East, because everyone thought that they were going to be tanking like crazy, and they're not. So um, that's kind of been everyone's surprise. I mean, they have four wins and now two losses. Um, so they were four and one going to that game against the Sharks. That's that's pretty good, and that's the John Tortorella effect there, where defense first, everybody throw your face into every puck that's being shot. I don't care what line you're on, you're doing it, um, and it it pays dividends. But down the line, you know, John Tortorella effect. <laughs> he loses the room eventually and he gets fired. So right now it's working in Philadelphia. Um, Carter Hart's looking like a good goalie. He did not play tonight. So maybe that was part of it. Um, and that's the other thing. The Sharks, you know, your team is bad when almost every time you play a team, they throw their backup in, right? That's when, you know, you're like, that's not their starter. That's although, you know, the Rangers threw, they had, they had, uh, what's, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Their starter was in, and he's Vasilevsky. Not Vasilevsky. Um, why can't I think of the name? Are you talking about the Rangers goalie? The Rangers, yes. Oh, um, oh wow. I, I want to say Georgiev, but it's not. It's Shosturkin. Shosturkin. Thank you, you Shosturkin. Yeah. Um, he's a a uh, was he's the reigning champ, right? He's and the I don't even play fantasy hockey, buddy. Okay, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get tongue tied. It's late. All right, it's been a long day, a very long day. Um, yeah. Anyway, oh, thank you, Kellen Shesterkin. <laughs> a little late. Yeah. Anyway, my point is, most mo- you see most teams playing their backup goalie against the Sharks, and um, when you have back to backs, you got to choose and usually pick the w- weaker team to throw in your backup, and that happens to be the Sharks. Um, and it's funny because the Sharks, I mean, being so bad, this is bad, good, whatever. They always seem to make the backup look like a Vezina winning trophy, uh, Vezina <laughs> winning goalie. Um, but anyway, they won tonight three to one or three to zero. Uh, and Reimer is looking sharp. He stopped a couple of breakaways. In fact, Philly did score a goal on the power play, yeah. uh, but they called it back because it was offside. They had to review it. Um, so he did kind of give up a goal. So yeah, one goal against with a shutout. That makes sense, right? Yeah, yeah. How about that, huh? No, it was it was nice. Uh, I can't remember who it was that had the stick out. Um, just 
uh, defensively was backing in just through the stick out towards that blue line and whoever's carrying across just had to make that one little move and Mm -hmm. it put the guy offside. So uh, little things like that, that kind of go unnoticed. Yes. The, the guy went offside, but there was reason and uh, the defenseman doing their job there. I can't remember who it was, unfortunately, but uh, you can go back and watch the replay and uh, give them some claps for him. Anyway, um, going back to Kakinen now, um, <laughs> 0 and 3, <laughs> percentage. I, I mean, that's pretty bad. 3.46 goals against average. Given the 8.873, that doesn't sound so bad, right? You would think that that'd be a lot worse, but... It's it's still pretty bad. Well, right? Kakinen got the message from Greer. Yeah, Kakinen is he's embracing the tank. Yes. right. Hey, I'm the guy with the long contract. I'm going to be the one that gets to play with this guy. Reimer's going to get traded. Ryan, he doesn't know what he's doing right now, right? So he has Kakinen has nothing to prove. He proved it last <laughs> season. He got the extension. So and he got the message, the memo that they need a better draft pick to be better. So he's playing his part. Um, Kellen is asking how many power plays they've killed off again, the Sharks. I do not know the answer to that one, Kellen. I'm sure Aaron can find that one uh, fairly quickly. Um, Let's see. I got a lot of people in the chat saying Igor Shesterkin. Thank you guys for trying to let us know. The thing is, there's like a 30-second delay between what we say and then what you guys type in the chat. So even when you get it to us, it's already so late that uh, somebody listening would have – we would have missed it anyway, so or we probably would have moved on from that subject. So uh, I do appreciate you guys uh, typing it in the chat at least, though, and helping us out there. Um, very, It was a very Captain Jack Sparrow moment. Today is the day you almost scored in the Sharks PK. <laughs> nice. All the right, Shark, Aaron, you got the number? The Sharks are at 96 penalty kill percentage. They let one in against New Jersey. But there are three teams that are 100% still. They have not given up any. The Islanders, who the Sharks okay. has played the Red Wings and the Blues, but the Blues have only played three games. Okay. Sharks have played eight. Um, Detroit's played five and the Islanders have played six. So the Sharks have played the most games. How many have they had to kill though? Like, have they killed a lot more than the other teams as well? Probably because they've had more games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let me go to. (laughs) I'm going to say this one as carefully as I can. Nicholas Egan. Big CAC, as in Kakinen, did have a .944 last game. Thank you, Nicholas. Uh, let's maybe use the whole name next time. <laughs> um, uh, we, Peter St. John said it right there. We give up our first against. See, I told you guys, when you put the stuff in the chat, it's three <laughs> seconds too late. But thank so you, Peter St. John. The Sharks have been shorthanded 25 times. That's seventh in the league. Okay. Um, per game. Short, time shorthanded per game is much less because they've played more games. Okay. Um, but anyway, they're, they still have elite penalty killing. Very good. In the league. Well, I'm happy to hear that. And uh, in, in a sense, of course, in the sense that we want to try to get that number one overall, uh, it's not so good, but um, Hey man, there's always five on five to get scored on. Right. So um, well, the Islanders, sorry, the Islanders who are the second best uh, <laughs> zero goals on 22 shorthand chances. That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sharks are one on 25. So they're very similar. Yeah, good. Okay. So they give, give them three more uh, PK opportunities and maybe they'll let one in and then we're in the same spot. Okay, good. Um, you had brought up uh, the, well, before we do that, Peter St. John has one more quick comment here. We were the number two PK last year and then we added a bunch of bottom six talent. I'm convinced we will have the top PK this year when it's over. 
potentially but you know honestly even if we don't have the top having the second best is still pretty dang good and especially if some of those guys are the up guys that are going to be the ones that are playing the pk and, and remember we didn't have benino tonight and normally benino's a guy that plays on the pk as well so if they did fairly well tonight then w- without him then it seems like the bottom six is, is handling it regardless right but if those guys are the guys that need to keep, be coming back uh for the upcoming seasons a guy like cunning and Sturm, mm-hmm. i mean that bodes well for that same level of uh, domination, if you will, on the PK uh, for, for years to come at least. So um, hopefully that'll be the case. We need them to be good when uh, we're, we're hoping to be good. <laughs> so, right. um, yeah, no, I, all good things, I think, in that in that arena uh, for, for upcoming years. So there you go. Um, we talked about, or you had brought up salary cap earlier in the show. We passed on it. We're back to it now. Um, <laughs> you need to explain this. Like I'm a five-year-old. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, not me. Of course, I know sure, everything sure. about it, and it's not at all confusing to me. So okay. explain it to, to them uh, like they're five, and I'll listen intently. Okay, so the salary cap next season could possibly go up by $4 million if the NHL players pay off the escrow. If they don't pay off the escrow by the end of this season, it will only go up by $1 million. So the way escrow works is think of the league shares its revenue or shares its income with the players. So at, you know, my lighting gets on my somebody do that. Um, let's say they're even. So uh, one year, let's say most of the teams sell out and net income revenue goes up for the league. Well, the players get a share of that. So the league will pay out into escrow that goes to the players the other way around. And which is what happened uh, during COVID the revenues dropped because there was nobody coming to games. There was no revenue. There was no games played, but the players were still getting paid by the owners. So they had a paycheck still The make up that deficit. They have to pay into escrow. Now escrow can fluctuate any, anywhere. I don't know, 10 to up to like 20% or something um, out of the player's salary. So I was giving this example earlier. Um, Eric Carlson gets $11 million salary. I'll take his cause he's the highest 11 and a half. Um, his agent gets a percentage of that automatically gone. I don't know what it is. One, 2%, something like that. Um, the escrow could be 10 to 20%. Let's say it's 20. That's 22% gone. Then he's got taxes to pay. That's another 35% or so. Um, and he's in California. So it's even more. So, um, it, you think these players get paid a ton of money, which they do. But you're taking more than 50% of it is is coming out. So the take-home cash is usually less than 50% of what their actual salary is. Um, now, no, boo-hoo, I don't really care. You know, they're making tons of money and millions of dollars. But my point is the escrow fluctuates every year. And for players that are making league minimum, that hurts. Imagine making, let's say, a million dollars, which is even more than the minimum. <laughs> um, you're taking away 20% of that right off the top. That's $800,000 coming to you. Then you minus taxes. That's maybe even half. Now in the Bay Area, four or $500,000 is still decent money, but that doesn't go very far when, let's say you're in the league for three years. You don't get to even really save up that money, really, depending on where you live, depending on all that stuff. So um, it's not quite um, that good. But the point is, going back to the escrow payment, if the players are able to pay off basically what the debt from COVID this season, the cap will go up $4 million because revenues have shot up. Now we talked about this kind of earlier last week with the new boards, the new kind of 
ads on the boards that uh, that change out, um, there's more revenue right there. So more stuff like that the league is doing. We're going to see the jerseys that are going to have uh, a sponsor on the collar area or something. That's more revenue going into both the players and the owners and salary cap goes up. So it's a good thing. So I'm hoping that that happens because I know a lot of teams that could use $4 million <laughs> in cap space um, instead of one. Yes. <laughs> Imagine that. It's almost an entire Kevin LeBanc salary gone, wiped off the books. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I've managed to uncross my eyes uh, from, from your explanation there. And um, I guess the, the only thing that's that's interesting about this is, do the players who are up for contract then have more incentive to want to pay off the escrow because the cap goes up, they can make more money on their next contract. Whereas guys who are locked into something maybe a little bit longer term, say a three-year contract, a five-year contract, maybe they don't care to pay off that escrow amount right now, right away. Uh, and they'd rather do it over the course of the next few seasons because, hey, I'm not up for a new contract anyway. Who cares if the uh, salary cap goes up? Yeah, I don't know. Nicholas Egan just put escrow this year is 10% and will go down to 6% f- from 23 to the 25 season. So, there you go. The escrow is going down. The players are going to owe less because the league is making more money. Not quite balanced out, but there you go. Thank you, Nicholas. <laughs> Kellen, I heard if you gamble with the money, you get deported to Canada. <laughs> oh, Kellen. Love having you in the show, buddy. Thank you for being here. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's do these uh, reverse retro jerseys, Aaron. You've got the pictures here. Nobody leaked them. Okay, this has already been shown. It's uh, yeah. There you go. It's it's already been shown. It's already everybody knows about it. They renounced it. Everything's there. It wasn't on some shelf and some no name store somewhere that somebody happened to put up without knowing that there was a problem. Regardless, they're out. They're available. Uh, do you like these things? First of all, they, they're a throwback to the days of the, the seals, right? So the, the California golden seals, why don't you go ahead and kind of introduce it. Super producer Jason's got a picture. I'm sure. Uh, go ahead. Sure. These, uh, the jerseys are inspired by the 1974 golden seals Jersey. Here's a look at what the golden seals wore. They, they were known for, um, it's a fun fact, actually golden seals were the very first, I believe professional team in any sport to put players names on the back of their jerseys. Wow. Um, they also wore white skates. They weren't in this picture or in this jersey. Uh, a couple of years before this, they were the first to wear white skates. I think white gloves and white helmets, which was just very bizarre. The owner was a very um, bold owner. Different. Yeah, he was just he did new things, kind of more gimmicky, flashy, which is cool. I think it grew. You know, it changes a lot of. There's a lot of old old men in hockey that don't change things. Oh, it's just so bad. It's not tradition. So Don Cherry. what Don Cherry. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, anyway, so the, the sharks took inspiration from the golden seals Jersey and they took the font and it says sharks instead of seals on it. Same color yeah. scheme. I think most of the striping and everything's the same. Um, I think it looks cool. The teal is a little bit lighter teal than the normal sharks teal, the yellow, obviously. Um, I think it looks sharp. I'm excited to see what they look like on the ice. Cause I think it's, I'm not sure what the, what the pants are like the whole outfit. Like I remember when we saw the other jerseys leaked, you're kind of like, Oh, this looks bad. And then you see it on the ice with everything, the full kit. You're kind of like, Oh, this is, 
that's really lovely. I think these look nice. They look sharp. Um, around the league, people, they released, every team released, again, reverse retro, and people were kind of grading them. And Sharks, I think, were in the top half so that people like them. Most people like them. You don't like them? Eh, no. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of them. I don't. I didn't like them. Um, now, again, perhaps I'll see the whole kit, and uh, I'll say, you know what? I need to buy that. I don't think I will, but um, it, it's, I mean, I can understand how people would look at it and go, oh, cool, throwback, and it's a cool um, kind of salute to, right, uh, the, the Golden Seals and everything, and, and I can get behind that, no problem, but I don't, just just the whole look of it itself. Frankly, I didn't really care for the Golden Seals jersey even before they started doing this reverse re- uh, retro stuff, so I didn't really care for the jersey in the first place. Um and for them to to do that, yeah, I know, I know. For them to do this, I'm like, hey, it's cool. I I can appreciate where you guys are going with it, but I just, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Kellen, those uh, jerseys look like a '70s couch. Yeah, I, okay, I'm with you there. You know, they're not like velvet red, I guess, but like, yeah, they're it's it's just to me, it's a little strange. It looks a little weird. I don't know that I like it. I don't know that I would want to own it. And I'm sure when they go out and they play in it, it's not going to matter to me. I'm not going to care. But they're going to have people that do like it, and they're going to sell some, and that's the whole point, right? Right. I, I like it because I like that they did something completely different and not using the Sharks logo. Like what I really want to see is the Sharks shoulder patch. Even the new one. I like the new one a lot as the main logo. Like kind of blow it up. So Florida Panthers did this. I don't know if you saw for their reverse retro. They took their shoulder patch, which has a hockey stick and what is it? A hockey stick? Palm, tree. palm tree with the sun in the background. They're, palm tree, they're crisscrossed. And it looks awesome, and they blew it up on the chest. Do something. I like something bold like that. That's different, very different yeah. than doing. If you look at Toronto Maple Leafs, it's the same. You know that meme from from the office. It's the yeah. same picture. It's right. it's literally like it's like, yeah, that's a Maple Leafs jersey. There's nothing different about it. It's so boring. I I don't like when teams do that. It's just like. They're too scared to kind of venture out and do things bold. I think this is more of a bolder move. Oh, there you go. There's Whoa. the Florida one. It looks so cool. It's so different. It looks like something you've never seen before in the NHL, right? Yeah. I think, well, I mean, from here, the, the hockey stick looks kind of like a golf club. That's which, that's what everyone says. <laughs> it's there you a go. Golf club, which is kind of, it's a fitting because it's Florida and they golf a ton there. Um, I mean, but, Florida's actually a good team, so they're not always going to golf early like the cliche but again nicholas egan is on the same wavelength with me he says the real question is would you buy it and that again that is the whole point is it not between reverse retro third jerseys all that stuff it's all about would you buy the thing would you spend money on it i'm not really a jersey collector i would say not so much anymore i don't know i'm getting too old for that i guess maybe my kids someday i would if i were to buy jerseys i'd probably buy it i like it i like it enough or i'd buy it okay but i do Um, like I like the new jerseys they have this year. Like I like the white one more than the teal. I like the teal a lot, but I like the white one even more. I think it pops and looks really good. So standing by itself, I agree with you, but I got to say with the whole kit, I, there's something about the whole thing being teal head to toe that just did it for me. I didn't think I was going to like it, and I see it on the ice, and I, I really like it. And when they're wearing the whites, mm-hmm. something seems just a little bit off. It doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look as good to me. As the full blown teal does, and I'm shocked because I I thought for sure I'm not going to like this at all, and uh, and they and they did a great job, so happy with that. You know, another jersey that I'm considering picking up, by the way, 
and I didn't like it either at first because I thought it was a little too plain. Those black Cuda jerseys, the all black CUDA right across the the, the front uh, diagonally. Um, I thought it was just too plain. It looks great uh, when they're playing in it, and that's apparently the jersey that they're they're supposed to be wearing. The steel colored jersey they mm-hmm. said uh, is like their third. The black is like their primary. So um, I, I don't know. I might delve into that one, and that's a perfect segue. Uh, to talk about the Barracuda <laughs> here. And I hope you guys stick around for this because the Barracuda are rocking. First four and O start in franchise history. If you are not watching Barracuda hockey, I'm telling you, you are missing out. This is the future of not just the Sharks, but the NHL. There's a lot of really good players here um, who are who are standing out and playing extremely well. Um, I, I mean, everybody was all gung-ho about Eklund. And then I made this meme uh, after they drafted Bordalo, and I, it was, you know, the guy uh, walking down the street with his girlfriend, and he's looking back at the other girl and going, ooh, at that, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So the one he was looking at was uh, <laughs> uh, Bordalo, and the one he was walking with was Eklund, right? And it was, yeah. like, the guy was Sharks fans, right? right. You remember that one, right? Yep, yep. So, I, dude, I, I think I was bang on, because I'm seriously, I, I think Bordalo, to me, is a lot more fun to watch, and I think he's even more effective frankly, than Eklund has been. Now, again, it's only been four games uh, in, it, at this level, right? And Eklund could absolutely shoot past him, no problem, right? I have no issue with that whatsoever. But I'm just saying from what I'm watching right now, um, Thomas Bordalo is so much fun to watch. I mean, this this guy pulls off, or at least attempted to. Uh, he was streaking down the right-hand side, left-hand shot. Streaking down the right-hand side, and he puts the pass. Yeah, the board pass between the legs was disgusting. Kellen Foster knows where I'm going, baby. Uh, he puts the, the the stick between his legs like he's going to, like, you know, roof it, right? Like the hurdle shot. And he puts it between his legs and makes the pass across. Uh, Nick uh, Nick HBK knows what I'm talking about. He would do this all the time in NHL 22 just to be fancy. Uh, <laughs> stick between the legs, passes it across. He got a little too excited. And instead of passing it, he shot it into the oncoming uh, player's chest instead of passing it to him. But uh, the idea was there, the, the gall, the sheer, the gusto, right. To, the, to, to do that. Um, I, I was like really impressed and I, I, it's too bad. It didn't work out, but uh, it, he's, he's fun to watch, but you see, it's a little bit different. See, and I know I've, I've, I've talked bad about Merkley before. Merkley is, he's absolutely just as talented. He's an amazing talent and he'll try to do these things that are so spectacular and he'll pull them off. But then he goes a little bit over the top, and then he ends up becoming uh, ineffective. Bordalo, on the other hand, he does these things while still being effective. So it's very entertaining hockey, but it's also um, it, it works. <laughs> it really does work. The guy's got – let's see. Actually, I have the stats right here. I'll let you know. Um, he is three goals uh, so far, leading the team with goals, I believe, with three. Yeah. And um, he's second, tied for second on the team with points. And the Barracuda have uh, Jared Pouliot. You might remember him as one of the defensemen who uh, beat the Sharks in the 2016 finals with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but spent most of his time in the AHL. We've got him. Guy's got four assists in four games. He's leading the team in points. And then it just goes Bordalo, Luke Johnson, Andrew Agazzino. Uh, Coey is in there. Tristan Robinson is in there. Eklund, Merkley. There's a lot of names on this roster that have a lot of promise uh, to, to make their way out of the AHL. And I'm telling you guys, if you're sleeping on AHL hockey with San Jose Barracuda, <laughs> you are missing out. Seriously, you're missing out. That's that's my my, my whole rant. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm this is 
pretty much what I expected the sharks to be doing, sending these good guys down and getting meaningful minutes and running with it and showing that they can put it together and lead a team. And four and is amazing. I can't believe they're four. No, it's great. I mean, I can't believe it because they're pretty stacked and most NHL teams don't have too many of their prospects down. Um, but this is looking promising. And you the know what? They're doing bright. it right. They're doing it right. They're doing mm-hmm. it the way the old school Red Wings did it, right? They let those guys sit in the AHL and bake, and they let them them win, and they let them, uh, you know, dominate, and then they bring them into the NHL, and it wasn't just a swift, you know, punch in the gut. They, they, were, they were used to working hard and beating guys, and even if the competition was better, they brought that culture in as other guys were moving out, and the guys that were already there were all, you know, I mean, they were winning, the Red Wings that in that era. They were winning anyway, so – to bring those guys in, it was just, you know, a continuation of what they had already been doing in the AHL. So they really, you're just taking that skill and instilling a whole nother level of confidence. Um, now the sharks don't have that to their advantage, of course, but they are going to bring some of these guys in uh, over the next season or two, at least. Um, and, and you're going to be able to watch them now. And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you, it is a blast. It's cheap. It's uh, local, obviously, so you don't have to go. Was it? Uh, what were the 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 Sharks? Worcester? Yeah, the, oh, you know, back east. That was it's, a while it's ago. Not like that anymore, yeah. guys. They're in San Jose. Go! I'm telling you, go check it out. The new arena is phenomenal. Go check out the new arena. Um, yeah. So if you guys need to talk to like a ticket guy, let us know. I'll I'll point you to our <laughs> ticket guy. Uh, he'll he'll pat us on the back for that one too. Are we but sponsored? Are we They're sponsored so by good. The Barracuda? What's that? Are we sponsored by the Barracuda? I don't think we are, but we should be for the amount I'm pumping them. I'm telling you guys, they are phenomenal. Go check them out. Oh, you mean Peter St. John says, you mean like Noah Gregor, Paul? No, no, I don't mean. I mean much better than Noah Gregor, okay? I mean much better no, than that. Noah Gregor should have been baking longer and being. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Should have been baking longer? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Should have been baking a little bit longer in there. Um, I think that would have done him. Uh, a world of good. Plus, maybe he would have had the opportunity to play with some of these guys, although now he's a little bit too old for that, so maybe not. But, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> like I said, dude, I'm, I check these guys out. Plus, hey, we're going to be there, so, you know, come say hi. I've had so many fans uh, show up at TechCU, and I was, I mean, the last game I went to, I was at the uh, the concessions, grabbed some popcorn, started walking out, and somebody just yells, yeah, fan factor! <laughs> I'm like, oh, <laughs> what's up so i uh, talked to him like after the game and everything else it was it was great to uh, to see some fans out there nick is asking paul i hear you i'll be at the october 26th game will you be nick i did get your message and i just don't know that's why i've not responded to you I, I i just don't know um it's either gonna be me or aaron or adam or no one and that's, one way or another wednesday we'll night what is it it's wednesday night this wednesday night oh it's this wednesday night yeah yeah i don't know bro I got to figure it out. Zinxy, I haven't seen Zinxy in a very long time. Zinxy uh, jumps in the chat with a uh, an amazing hello. Thank you, Zinxy. That was amazing. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Yes, yes. Get, get on, on with it. With it. I, I think that's directed at Zinxy. Like, give me something more than just hello. But I could be wrong. Maybe it's directed at us. I don't know. Pretty sure it's directed to you. Okay, just, uh, me? That's rude. <laughs> Come on, Aaron, back me up, man. Peter St. John says. Anyway, uh, okay, so I'm done talking about the Barracuda, but honestly, guys, go check them out. It's a good time. So, 
upcoming games for the San Jose Sharks. We're not going to talk about the Ricardo so Sharks upcoming games. They do have three this week. Aaron, uh, break it down for us. We've got the Tuesday game against the Vegas Golden Knights. I guess uh, Brody likes to specify Las Vegas Golden Knights. And then Thursday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Leafs. And then the uh, Saturday game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Talk us through them. Uh, those are those are tough teams right there. Toronto is turning around. They're four and two. Vegas four and two. And who was the last one? Toronto. Missed that. No, oh, Tampa Bay was the last game. Sorry, Saturday. Uh, Tampa Bay again. So we're playing Tampa Bay again. No, no, no. Vegas, Toronto, uh, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Cup favorite. They're three and three. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm hoping the Sharks show up against Vegas, but I feel like all the players that hate Vegas kind of aren't on the Sharks as much anymore. And then there's, you know, Reeves is gone. So, like, the hate factor's kind of dropped off a little bit. Now, going back to last season, they did knock them out of playoffs, I'm sure. (laughs) And they celebrated like they won the playoff berth, the Sharks did, I think, after that game. So they were very happy to play spoiler. Um so the hatred is still there, but not as not as much as it used to be. Um, Vegas is good. They're going to come in, and they're probably going to want some revenge. It'll be a good game to go to. But Tuesday night, Tuesday night games are not very well attended at the Sharks. I think people are stuck at work because they're starting to go back to the office now. They don't want to go downtown. Traffic is a nightmare. So... I have a feeling tickets might be a little easier to get this to go around than maybe even a year ago. What do you think? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure it will be. You know, um, pick up tickets anytime you can if, if they're cheap. I mean, still good hockey. It's fun to watch. Like we said, the, the whole point of this season, or I'm sorry, the whole wish for this whole season is to be entertaining, right? We, we right. know we're probably not making playoffs. We know we're probably going to end up losing against some of these better teams. But I think even if they're not, winning you can still pull a, at least a decent experience out of it right you can see some of the guys doing some pretty good stuff uh working hard and that kind of thing so um it, it, you know any hockey is good hockey so um that that's kind of my take on it I, I if i could go more often i would but um i also enjoy cheap really good hockey that's why i watch the very good more so um <laughs> i <laughs> i think uh, um, there's nick go ahead oh, go ahead all right, so Nicholas Egan made the comment, Kessel will break the Ironman streak at the game on Tuesday. That's the VGK game. That's cool. So, I wonder if they'll uh, keep playing him after that because I don't think he's been doing too great. But Shower him with hot dogs. <laughs> Thursday against Toronto, you always see the, the SAP Center turn into a Maple Leaf Center. Um, there's so many Maple Leaf fans that come out of the woodwork in their jerseys. It's crazy. Even when the Sharks were good, there was always a ton of Maple Leaf fans. Now the Sharks are bad. I think that's going to be even more lopsided. I'd be even closer to 50-50 people in the arena of Maple Leaf fans. Um, but they're going to have a very strong and good look at Reimer. I bet Kakinen gets the Vegas game and Reimer gets the uh, Toronto game. Maybe. What do you think? So wait, wait, wait. You think Reimer ought to go back to Toronto? That's hard. Okay, because what do we talk about with Vegas? What did we talk about with Vegas earlier in the season? Have they have they fixed that problem? Their goalie, yeah. Well, they got Aiden Hill, and they have yeah, they have their rookie goalie. Well, he's not he's not doing terribly. Okay, Thompson Logan Logan Thompson, I think is his name. Um, okay. They're doing okay. 
Um, somebody asked actually if they're going to be starting Hill. If you think that uh, Hill gets to start with Vegas, maybe since it is the backup against the bad team. Fair enough. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I would say yes to Hill unless the coach is just a jerk. <laughs> so either, coaching, who's coaching in Vegas now? I have no idea. Either way, um, the yeah, Rammer's on uh, Rammer's on watch with some Rammer's on watch. I think Toronto like. It, you don't really see interdivisional trades. I mean, Aiden Hill went there. The Sharks already traded Aiden Hill. I can't. Imagine. I don't think the Sharks were worried about Aiden Hill. Right. Going exactly. Into the they needed to move one of the goalies. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it's funny. Like if you go back to last summer, this last summer, Aiden Hill, he was hurt um, at the end of last season. And there was an interview question to him. I think, I think it was before the season had started. Like, how's it going? Are you healthy? Um, are you looking forward? What is it like going into the season with three goalies? And he gave a very kind of cryptic answer of like, well, I'll be playing in the NHL. Like I have a feeling they had a trade in the works already. Um, this is when he was still on the team. So he was, he was alluding to the fact that he was going to be playing in the NHL, but he never said for the sharks, he never mentioned it, which I thought was kind of funny. So he knew, he knew something was up. He was probably working on it. Probably him and his agent were helping facilitate some kind of trade um without you know coming out into the open in the public which some players do that's what i feel like happened anyway um yeah i think uh these three games are going to be tough Vegas, i mean almost every game is going to be tough because the sharks are are not good but how about <laughs> this do we see timo meyer get off his schneid and score a goal in one of these games there we go. It's not so much are we going to win or lose against any of these things, right? We just got done saying we want entertaining hockey. Shouldn't exactly. you know, we're, not, we're not looking for the win or the loss. And in, in some cases, we're actually looking for the loss, but we're looking for entertaining hockey. So under that, guys, um, yeah, do, do are we looking for Timo to score, to break it, right? To get out of his slump. Yeah. Um, is this where he does it? Is this where uh, this week does he get out of uh, – the shadow of having no goals guys throw that in the chat real quick. This is probably the last thing that we asked you guys here, but um, yeah. So let us know. Do you think Timo Meyer breaks out of his slump sometime in these three games? Now the competition is tough, but uh, competition was tough against the, the Rangers as well. And, and they showed up and actually like Aaron said, Philadelphia was what I think you said four and one going into this game and the Sharks dealt them their second loss of the season. I mean, that's, it's a pretty good team right there. So uh, do they show up against the, one of these three teams? And uh, if so, does Timo get on the board? That I don't know. I mean, I would love to see him kind of get off the schneid at the same time. I, eh, like whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, right? So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Do you think Timo gets off the schneid, first of all? And second, like you see a guy like, Kevin LeBanc scores a goal, right? First goal of the season. After he comes, he gets scratched and he comes back and he scores. Um, do you think a guy like Kevin LeBanc maybe has a little bit of a better game against these teams here? He just got one and he feels like, okay, I got the ball rolling. Let's get going now. Does that build a little bit of confidence for a guy like him? Absolutely. Any goal scores, getting any kind of goals gets you on a roll. I mean, this vintage Marlowe would go on streaks, right? He'd be scoring like, uh, I don't know, a couple you get goals in like four or five games in a row. And then he would go like 10 games with that one, like goal scores kind of go on these streaks. So I think once Timo gets that ball rolling, he's going to do it. Now I don't think LeBanc's quite an elite sniper. He has, he does have a nice shot, but he's more of a playmaker. Um, but the good thing is he scored on five on five. It wasn't on the power play. 
that's kind of his bread and butter. He's better. He seems to be better on the power play when he has a little bit more time and space. When he's on five and five, he's not as effective and he's more of a perimeter player, playmaker kind of guy. So um, I'm hoping I'm hoping Timo gets off the schneid sometime this week against one of these teams. And I bet the Sharks will win one of these games. I don't know which one, but I'd say one. Okay, so they come away with two points uh, on on this whole uh, home home stand for yeah. this week, I guess. Okay, good. Uh, Nicholas Egan says the whole first line has had a rough start of the season. Yeah, I remember the whole first line didn't have Barabanov on to start the season either, though. And as uh, we had brought up previously, it takes a little while for these guys to kind of gel. So um, I can't remember who was it. Was it Limblom? Who was on that that top line? No, it was uh, mixed around. Cunnin was on. Cunnin, yeah, Cunnin was out there, which I thought Cunnin did a great job. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, again, it takes a little time to to gain that chemistry. So mm-hmm. uh, having. Um, having Barabanov back into the fold there uh, kind of brings the chemistry for that line back together, which is, you know, it's a good thing for them. Um, so I do see here a couple comments about uh, whether or not Timo's going to score. Marty McFly says Timo scores this week. Um, I don't know. Eddie is saying, I think Timo's is white elephant. Eddie, you're going to have to explain what that means, buddy. I, a white elephant is a gift exchange game that I'm aware of. I don't know anything uh, other than that. So, uh, that will be one of the few goals for LeBanc. This says Peter St. John, I guess the one that he already scored. Uh, so he doesn't think LeBanc's going to be doing a whole lot this season. I don't know if you agree with that one or not, Aaron. What do you think? Uh, I think I think we see a good season from LeBanc here. I think getting that, he got scratched. I think that was a pretty good message right there. Like Quinn's not putting up with this stuff, so he's going he's gonna to be better. Kellen going all out with the prediction here. says, I think Vegas is a better built team than New York Rangers. They have decency in all three lines and a solid defensive core. And Meyer gets the Hattie. Wow, that's bold. Wow. So you just talked up Vegas saying they have this, they have that. And then you say, and Meyer gets a Hattie. <laughs> I love it, Kellen. Wow. Kellen, you are bold beyond measure, my friend. Yeah. Uh, let's see how many, let's see if that happens and how many comments we have on the show afterwards. Yeah, no, it'll have to be a very special tribute to Kellen. If yeah. Meyer gets a hat trick against Vegas. So, Hey, Kellen, uh, you're on Twitter, buddy. Uh, keep us honest. Okay. Let us know. Uh, if he does get that Hattie, throw it right in our face, bud. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Cunning gives Couture the ability to be a playmaker instead of a grinding four check man. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's kind of, uh, kind of his job. He's a bigger body skates hard, gets in, uh, bangs and gets the puck back out. So yeah, absolutely. Kinchur can can do more of uh, setting the play up as opposed to That's trying to dig Cunning, out. Cunning's bread and butter is going to get the puck in the corners, getting mm-hmm. in the dirty areas and getting the puck to those guys. So he yeah. he meshes well with in any line really. Like the top two lines can work on the power play. It works. He's just he gets those dirty areas. And, and here's something I do want to call out. And you had said it earlier, and I wasn't going to say nothing because well, whatever. Um, and Peter St. John here says, I hope so, but so far he just doesn't score a lot. And we're talking about LeBanc. Hope so, but so far he just doesn't score a lot. Like Aaron said, more of a setup guy. I take a little bit of issue with this idea that he's a setup guy. And I understand. We look back at the the famous uh, you know, uh, four, four goal in five minute um, power play thing with Vegas. Right. And he was in on every single goal. If you take a look other than the goal that he scored, I think two of them were him just taking the puck in and then backhanding it off the wall to the defenseman who actually did something. So I don't call that a setup guy. Um, and I seen him do that in seasons past, especially when Burns was there. 
um, where he would take the puck in and then just backhand it off the wall back to the defense. That to me is just yeah. a set play. It's no big deal. Yeah, but it's he's not a he's, setup. He's setting it up in the fact that he's taking away a defender and giving Burns space to get the shot off. That takes zero um, hockey IQ. That t- all that is no. is drive into the no. zone, throw the puck backwards. That anybody I could do that. No, he, okay? he's drawing the he's drawing the forward. He's yeah, defense on the penalty kill towards him. Yes, the puck to burn so he has an open lane to shoot it through. That's that's no, that's that is that's, just take the puck in, throw it back. That's all that is. That's not him disagree. thinking I'm gonna suck the defenseman in with me. That is just I a disagree. normal thing in hockey. I heavily disagree. Oh my goodness, it's a normal thing in hockey. It's not anything special. I'm sorry. If you want to get set up, guy, you look at the guys that are controlling the like. Hey, Ryan Merkley, I'll pump his tires right now. Ryan Merkley is a hell of a setup guy. He's the dude that is controlling the puck, constantly looking, finds that guy that no one else sees, and then throws it through a seam, boom, one time it's in the net. That's the kind of player that's a setup guy. Eric Carlson is a setup guy. Couture, to some respect, is a bit of a setup guy, right? He's a guy that's finding guys and, and, and getting the puck on their stick. LeBanc, to me, is not that guy where you would you give him the puck and expect him to control it on like the half boards and then find somebody. That's not what I'm looking for LeBanc to do, right? And I don't think that that's what he does, frankly. So um, I don't know. That's that's my take on LeBanc, but uh, obviously some people disagree, and that's okay. But for, for someone to say he's a great setup guy because he throws the puck off the boards back to the defenseman, I, I have a hard time with that. That's just me. So anyway. You good? Cool. Okay. Yeah, he's cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Kellen, last comment here. I'm just upset we were unable to see the garbage collector slide used for its true purpose in this week's episode. I'm going to say the word garbage. I'm going to say ditto. I'm waiting for super... I was waiting for Super Producer Jason. There you go. Okay, um, for those of you on the podcast, uh, we, we have a slide. It's, a, it's an image. <laughs> and they have no idea what we're talking about. Go to the fin... There you go. <laughs> We'll post it on our socials this week. (laughs) So it's it's a it's a slide with Luke Cunning uh, as a garbage collector for the podcast people. I'm so (laughs) the big thumbs up. I'll post it. I'll post it this week. Okay, good. Socials. Very good. Oh my god, this show with, with is, no sound. Like we go off the rails just for the sake of going off the rails. Okay, guys, I want to thank you so much uh, for for attending uh, and and helping us. Epic slide, yes. Martin McFly says epic slide. Uh, thumbs up kills. The thumbs up kills. Yes, it does. The, the, I'm telling you, if you're on the podcast, please check it out. It's a, Super producer Jason put way too much work into this slide, and it's just it's it's great. So um, <laughs> we appreciate you, Super producer Jason. Um, okay, again, thank you guys so much for t- putting this line up again. Thank you so much for tuning in. We do appreciate it. It's always so much fun being able to chat with you guys here. Uh, we love the comments and everything. So thank you for that. If you'd like to support the show, again, you can do that through the super chat. Uh, you can also do that with uh, Venmo. We are at the Fin Factor on Venmo. Uh, so go ahead and if you'd like to leave a tip uh, with a what's called uh, like a message there we'll go ahead and get to it in either the next show or in the show that we're currently doing. Obviously, with the super chat it'll show up right in the show here as well so we can get to it right then also visit the website thefinfactor.com you can go over to the products page and you can see all the stuff that we have for sale like aaron's 
uh, water bottle, which I said right this time, uh, and the hats and the shirts and the fanny packs and the hoodies and stickers. And we, we got stuff. Okay. If you'd like to support the show and actually get something in return, because uh, you're selfish like that, uh, then go ahead and head to the store and support us that way. We do appreciate that. Uh, Marty McFly says, Randy Hahn, he scores. No goal horn, just beep, beep, beep. Yeah, no, there you go. The, the beep from the uh, from the goal collecting thing. There you go. Garbage collector. Okay. That is going to do it for the show. Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. For Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys next week at TechCU Arena watching the Barracuda because it's worth it. I'm telling you, don't sleep on it. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.